Hello and welcome to Eve Talk. I'm your host, Chris Dufour. This is a podcast for and about the Williams College student athlete. And today we're fortunate to have head wrestling coach Scott Honaker on the program. Scott has been at Williams now for his in his 10th season, nine years as head coach. And uh, he has led, he is the second, I believe, all-time winningest wrestling coach in Williams history, uh, which I'm sure I'm he'll- first. First I'm now? First. Yeah, I'm first. 74 wins, I think we're at, and climbing. Let's see, the takedown report just emailed me and said I'm the all-time winner now, so I have it here. There you go. <laughs> this is breaking news. We're breaking news on Eve Talk. So Scott was uh, is from East Longmeadow, Mass., uh, so he's a local Western Massachusetts native and uh, coached high school wrestling before he came to Williams in North Carolina, where he got a degree from East Carolina University. Uh, so welcome to the program, Scott. I'm glad to be here. All right. So what did you find out? Uh, I'm, I have 85 wins. Uh, the, the takedown reports sent, uh, they, they track all the coaching wins. And I, uh, last season, I, I moved ahead of Mike Whalen with uh, 80 NCAA wins all time. So that was probably the last significant record to fall. We have the most, uh, you know, Coach Foote and I, the, you know, the most All-Americans, National Qualifiers, Scholar All-Americans, Region Place winners, dual meet wins, single season dual meet wins in uh, the 96-year history of the program. And it's something we're really proud of. Yeah, and, and you should be. I mean, the last uh, nine years of Williams wrestling have been an, uh, really an amazing ride. I think you guys finished third in the in uh, in the region uh, in 2014-15, which was the highest finish ever in Williams history. And then I think finished finished tenth nationally the same year, uh, and that's just uh, one year out of the out of the nine. And that, uh, but an example of of how you've elevated the program. Let's start with your journey, though. You, you, like I mentioned, you're from East Longmeadow, um, and then you, you, uh, I, you graduate high school, you go to college, you end up at East Carolina. Now you're getting your degree while you're coaching at J.R. Rose, or is that how it ended up working out? Yeah, yeah. So I, my, you know, my competitive career um, f- fizzled out in, in a pretty disappointing manner, and. Um, you know, I, I jumped right into coaching before I completed my degree because I, I was no longer going to be on the mats. And uh, so there was an opportunity at J. Trose High School in, in Greenville, North Carolina, where uh, I was able to get my feet wet and jump in. And I was a head coach there for six years. And, um, you know, so I, I wrapped up my remaining credits at East Carolina after wrestling for, you know, the legendary head coach, Marty Nichols at Ithaca College. And, um so that, that was, uh, it was a really great, um, testing ground for me because, uh, you know, I, I was able to just make these massive mistakes that a 23, 24, 25 year old head coach makes in relative, uh, in, in, in relative obscurity and anonymity. So, um, you know, it was, I, I learned, we had some nice accomplishments and, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was when, when it came time to, transition to coaching high school to coaching college and, and it, it, the level the level isn't isn't important to me at all um I, I was passionate about wrestling to the point where I wanted to do it full-time and so um you know leaving the classroom although I enjoyed being in the classroom as a classroom teacher the opportunity to focus on wrestling full-time was was really uh r- really a, a linchpin in, in that decision the, the biggest linchpin being moving back to western Massachusetts my father was really ill at the time um, but, but I, I definitely 
um, whether I wanted to or not in, in North Carolina as a high school coach, a very young high school coach, uh, I definitely, you know, established my values, my philosophy and a lot of my style um, through, through really <laughs> trial and, and oftentimes dramatic error. But I, I was able to do it in a setting where, um, you know, the, the, it didn't necessarily hurt me as bad. And it was really, it was a, such a positive experience. So um, I, I'm forever grateful to J.A. Trose High School and, and the Greenville, North Carolina wrestling community for embracing me. And, uh, you know, seven, seven years there, six as a head coach. And, and uh, I, it, it, it was, it was, you know, obviously transitioning to college is, is, different and challenging and exciting but the the similarities so far outweigh the differences that it, it really was a great training ground for me you, let's talk about some of the origins of the of the of the passion that you mentioned about wrestling uh i assume you wrestled in high school i wrestled east long middle high school and, yeah. and at ithaca college and I did think you I was, did you wrestle as a younger before high school i mean when did you start wrestling uh, ninth grade there there weren't the opportunities in in western massachusetts that that are available now to youth and, and i always had my eye on it and i had always wanted to wrestle but the first legitimate organized wrestling opportunity in in the area at the time began in the ninth grade i, I always knew i was going to be a wrestler and i, I didn't uh you know, regretfully, and, and part of it is is uh, what was available in the area, and part of it was the you know the evolution of the sport over the last thirty years is you know there's there's plenty of opportunities now still growing, but but I I didn't have the chance to get to get on the mats until I was in ninth grade, and then you know once I went to college, um, you know a lot of my peers had been wrestling since the youth. And, you know, what, what made it really special to me was for the first time in my life, I was around peers who loved and were as invested in wrestling as much as I was. Um, that I, I never found that on, on the high school level in, in, you know, East Long Meadow, Western Massachusetts. And that was, that was su such a transformative experience, just being around people um, who, who share a passion for the sport. You know, I, I didn't have, I wasn't fortunate to have a great high school coach who was really into wrestling. And obviously, you know, I went from that to, you know, a college coach who's, you know, division three hall of fame, uh, Marty Nichols. He's a, he's a real legend in the sport. And, and so that, that's where my passion, you know, you know, it was always there, but it, it exploded in a volcanic matter, uh, manner when, when I was, uh, you know, wrestling at Ithaca and, and I've been, been able to, I've never lost that. Um, I, I still love wrestling as much right now as I, as I did, you know, back in 2002. So it's, it's been, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cornerstone, you know, wrestling shouldn't define me. It shouldn't define any of our athletes, but it's definitely foundational to who I am. It's a cornerstone of my identity. So let's talk about wrestling then, because this is, it's really interesting to me. Obviously it's a very uh, unique sport and, uh, it has its uh, its own culture and its mannerisms uh, and legends. Um, what about it? What what drew you to this particular sport? What 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 made you think? You know, you said you always knew you were going to be a wrestler. What was it about this sport that that drew your your interest so heavily? Um, for starters, sorry about that. For starters, um, the you know. 
winning and losing is so amplified in in a format where you are you know in a small circle <laughs> surrounded by fans teammates opponents and uh you know you're, you're stripped down to nothing but spandex you know so you're you're literally out there stripped down figuratively and literally and right. um you know two men enter one man leave and it's uh you know it's not replicated anywhere else we need we need wrestling in our colleges we need it that we need the element of controlled combat we need controlled conflict on our campus and um you know wrestling provides something that you know even the the most gladiator of sports football hockey you know those type of sports can't provide the raw combat nature that wrestling provides to this campus and campuses around the country and, you know, to arenas around the world. So, um, you know, I, have always loved that. It's, you know, I, I love the accountability, you know, that the wrestling will, you will be asked what you did to prepare very publicly in wrestling, yeah. you know? So I've, I've, you know, I've been on both sides of that. And, and every wrestler learns both sides of that in a way where, you, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I played football for, for a number of years, you know, all the way through high school um, and love football, but, but you can hide in football and in wrestling. There's no, no hiding for certain. So I, yeah, I always, I always appreciated the accountability and, and uh, you know, you have to have some, some stomach for for conflict and combat um but we 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 need that we need that on this campus we need that our our children need to understand you know controlled conflict and and it's it's an important part of uh of the human experience absolutely what um so you're you you start like you said you kind of went right in from wrestling in college right into coaching and uh, I'm curious, like you said, you, you were you were given the opportunity to make a lot of mistakes at a young age. And I was curious about as you developed, uh, as you got into maybe the second or third year of coaching, when did it hit you that this is something you wanted to do with your life? You know, because that's a big decision uh, for anybody to, to decide what they want to do with their career. Uh, and so I'm interested in the, what part of the journey were you like, okay, this is, this is for me. This is what I'm, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So there's, there's two, probably two things that I would want to touch on there. The first directly relating to being an athlete is, uh, um, you know, wrestling is, you know, like I said, there's nowhere to hide. There's not, there's not downtime practice. There's, we, we go from the start of practice to the end of practice and there's no standing around with your hands on your hips. You know, it's a, it's a pretty intense thing. And, um, you know, we've all, we've all had personal challenges in our lives, right? And, you know, you have, you have good days, you have bad days, you have days where you're going through challenging things and, and, you know, wrestling, I, I really appreciated that, you know, you, you don't bring things onto the wrestling mat with you. You can't bring things onto the wrestling mat with you like you could in, in something that was a more casual experience. Um, you know, the, the fact of the matter is when you step on the mat, it's, it's touch them up and protect yourself at all times. And what, what I loved about it was 
you know, it, it is also practicing and competing in the sport is like you would like every sport to be. It's, it's an escape. It's, it's a time to just focus on that, that task. And um, it's really amplified because of the, the combat nature. And sure. so um, at different times in my life, when I've been going through challenging times, I was, you know, able to able to step away from that for an hour, two hours, three hours a day while, while I was focusing on wrestling. And, um, you know, that, that definitely emphasized with me that that was something I wanted to be involved with one way or another for the rest of my life. And I will say as a coach, it, it's not as extreme the the check it at the door, you know, and, and you, you don't have to do it as consciously in wrestling. It's, it, it happens because you're, you're out there to compete every moment. You're, you're, uh, you know, clawing and scratching for every point in every position, but, um, but then, you know, so, so that, that is, that is how I knew I was going to always be with it. And then, you know, probably my third or fourth year as a coach, this is, this is a second story. It's going to sound simple and it may be hard to relate to, um, might be one of those, you had to be there stories because, um, I'm talking to I'm talking to a referee, you know, we're, I'm eating like a piece of broccoli or something in a coach's room while we're getting ready to argue over the, the seating of the tournament, you know, the, the weigh-ins are done and, and we're going to, you know, the, the first whistle is about an hour away and, and I'm, I'm staying there and I'm talking to a referee. I remember his name, his name's Homer Spring from Dixon, North Carolina. He's not a decorated wrestling person. Um, and we were just kind of talking wrestling philosophy. You know, there's a lot of in, in Eastern North Carolina, there's a lot of redneck wrestling philosophy. It was, uh, you, you, you heard some different things there. Yeah. Um, and, and Homer looked at me and said, Scotty, uh, the, the thing we all love about wrestling, and you've heard kindergarten teachers say this about school and life is, is you get out of it, what you put into it. Yeah. And, and I had to go sit down. I, 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 just, I had to go physically I had to go sit down when he said something that simple, you, you get out of it, what you put into it. Um, and, and like I said, I played football and um, my, my measurables, my, my 40 time, my <laughs> 160 pounds and five foot nine was never going to allow me to be an elite football player. And, you know, obviously we, we could touch on weight classes at, at some point if we choose to, but you know, that, that, that barrier is removed and it's, it's much, you know, wrestling is much more highly technical than, than any other sport I'd, I'd participated in. And, and you really did, you, you get out of it, what you put into it. And, and, you know, not only in, you know, the, the wins and the losses, but the, the way those wins and losses are experienced are directly related to what you put into it. And then as I was thinking about what Homer had said to me, and then the, the variable of God-given athletic talent is removed when you talk about coaching. You, you get even more out of it than you put right. into it, you know, when, when you're coaching. And so that, that conversation has stuck with me. You know, that was, that was probably 2008 for 12 years. I mean, I can, I can see the high school classroom and the stick of broccoli I was eating when he said it. And I had to go sit down when someone said something that, you know, probably every kindergarten teacher at Williamstown elementary school says about their studies, you know, it never resonated with me, but when it was applied to wrestling, it was, that was a pretty life-changing event. Yeah. It's amazing. 
sometimes that's how simple it is. And it, it's just sometimes hearing that in that space, in that moment, it just clicks, you know. And it's uh, fortunate that Homer was there that day. Uh, all right. So your father's ill. You come, you, you're, you're in North Carolina. You come home to, to help him. And you're looking at a, trying to find a job. Uh, William's assistant pops up. Um, was it was at that point for Scott Honaker that it was just any job, or was Williams? Uh, what attracted you to Williams at that uh, point? That 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 was funny. So I I was home. My you know it, it became clear we were going to lose my father, and so I moved home for the summer. And I still have my job, my my teaching job, my my team. The the most painful part of this experience, without question, was I still had my team in North Carolina. So. Um, I moved home for the summer. I, I, my, I had a great staff. I had a really great staff. And, you know, so my assistant coaches took the guys to the junior nationals in Fargo, North Dakota. I didn't attend um, just spending some time with my dad. And the plan was to go back. And I, so, so I saw a job posted. I'm always on wrestling websites. It wasn't like I was, you know, planning to make a move right I, I saw i saw a job posted and it, it said uh you know williams college and i map we were using that this was 2010 I, I don't i probably i don't think i had an iphone at the time so. <laughs> excuse me it was 2011 summer 2011 and and so i probably map quested i was like okay that's you know an hour and 45 minutes away and, and so i shot the head coach at the time an email and and um you know i, I went up here and and you know, we, we'd had some success on, on the high school and on, on the club and national level, you know, right. before before coming here. So I, you know, I, I wasn't just like some some bozo at that point in time. I was, you know, lucky. Well, you were North Carolina coach, state coach of the year. Uh, yeah, I believe. Yeah, we, we there were there were a few recognitions along the way. And we but the young men that we'd been fortunate enough to work with had done really well, which was much more important than any of the coaching recognition. Sure. So, um. So I drove up here and, you know, the, the Williams has done, done great expansion of, uh, you know, the, the way we support our assistant coaches since 2011, you know, Lisa Melody, my boss, our athletic director has, has really emphasized, you know, the, you know, what, what, you know, appropriate compensation of your support staff and those type of things can do to enhance your program, which right. we have to get into Tom foot because we will, but at the time, um, you know, I wasn't a, you know, I was no longer a 22 year old kid. You know, I was, I was, you know, approaching 30 and I said, you know, I, I would love to come up here and, and help coach the wrestling team. Um, but, you know, I, it was an $8,000 stipend and right. I'm an adult man at this point in time. And I said, you know, I'm going to have to find a, you know, an additional source of income, but I was a certified teacher. So I drove to Drury high school in, uh, in, in North Adams, uh, seven miles away. And just drove. I drove there. Yeah. I had a job teaching math there by the end of the day. Wow. And so I said, okay, looks like, uh, looks like, the, you know, I'm not a deeply religious person, but I, I did feel like I was kind of being pushed in a direction there with, you know, the, the, the keystone of that being that we, we were going to lose my father in the next year or so. So that, that was really important. Uh, and uh, so, so uh, that, that was the, the move there. And, uh, you know, there, there was a change in the head wrestling coach. Um, you know, I got here, I, I started October one and, and there was a change, you know, somewhere around April. And, uh, 
you know, I had the opportunity to be the interim head coach for a year. And, right. you know, I, I, we, we talked a lot about my, my high school experiences. Uh, you know, I, I did feel confident having been the head coach of, of a program that had a significant operating budget and had, you know, national caliber recruits and those type of things. I, I, I did feel prepared. Obviously the, the learning curve was steep, but, but I, I felt ready to jump on that. And, and uh, you know, the, the rest really, really is history. I, I sit in the same seat that today that I did in 2012 when, when that opportunity came to me. A little better office, I think, than your very first office, though. <laughs> that that is that is true. That's Gary Garin. You know, when when Coach Foot and I were sharing the the one man band box, he uh, <laughs> Gary Garin made made the a closet. real effort to to help us. Uh, you know, and and the the expansions of the office spaces are important. Not not because Coach Foot and I require a lot of comfort. We're we're pretty Spartan fellas. Um, right. But what we do require is the the opportunity to to coach our athletes to the best of our ability and and um it's the the athletes and the film room setup is is just so much better for athlete development that 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 was that was why that was something we were pushing for was to be able to meet with our athletes in there and and have it be a space where they can learn well let's talk about before we get into a little bit more of the wrestling at, at, uh, and, Tom, and coach tom foot uh let's talk about the challenges of coaching wrestling in the NESCAC and in at Division Three, uh, but most most specifically in the NESCAC and and the particular type of um, wrestler that you need to uh, attract to, to, in order to get them to come to Williams. Uh, I know that's that's been a it's a challenge for you. It has to be. Well, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, and the uh, you know. Our, our biggest challenge is, is it's a double-edged sword because it's also the biggest advantage of, of coaching at Williams is, is the biggest challenge, which is the admissions are prohibitive. We, right. we know that we, we don't, you know, we don't need to tiptoe around that. Um, but the reason the admissions are able to be prohibitive is because Williams is a school with an academic reputation that gives us access to kids that we, you know, the, the run of the mill division three school doesn't have access to this quality of, of student athlete, you know, quality of, you know, well, you, every school can attract quality humans, but, you know, we, we are able to attract kids of demonstrated ability um, that, you know, the, the average division three school, you know, they, they don't get an official visit out of that kid because the, right. the, the young man has division one opportunities. Um, the, the other side of the coin is those, you know, first of all, those kids are rare. Um, second of all, out of that pool of kids, you know, there's, there's, you know, a number, you know, wrestling is extraordinarily strong in the Ivy league. Right. And it's, you know, so we, we are oftentimes picking behind them. Um, so, you know, beating the Ivy league for top kids is, is a huge challenge. And, sorting through kids that are never going to be a legitimate candidate for, for Williams, which, you know, that's, that's not disparaging. Um, you know, I was not particularly from East Long Meadow, Massachusetts. I was not particularly familiar with Williams. And when I was a high school student, goodness knows I didn't need to be because they, <laughs> they would have thrown my transcript away before that, before they would have had a chance to, to look at it thoroughly. So yeah, you and me um, both. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, the, the biggest challenge is, is the biggest weapon. 
in our favor, which is, um, you know, it is a extraordinarily hard to navigate the admissions process for a prospect, but the prospect who can is um, going to be probably well suited to have success on the division three level because we, we do recruit on the back of an academic reputation that is, you know, what number one ranked liberal arts school in the world, and, you know, routinely on near the top of the Forbes list. Uh, in my tenure, we've been on top of the Forbes list um, for, for all national universities. So it's, uh, you know, most division three schools don't have that bullet in their gun. Let's jump into philosophy. Uh, we've taught you kind of, uh, We've broached the, little, uh, the subject of it a little bit, and it's a broad term. So uh, you can take kind of take this question in any direction you want or several different directions. But what is your coaching philosophy at Williams? Like you kind of just described, we have a very niche student athlete wrestler at Williams. Uh, did you find you had to tailor your philosophy or how has it evolved uh, after spending a few years at Williams? You know, and, and what is what is the philosophy and the approach to the Williams uh, wrestler? It's great, great question. And I we'll see where this goes. But I, I you know, I got to start with, um, you know, athlete centered. And again, taking taking, uh, you know, weaknesses and making them a strength. You know, we're, we're never going to have a roster size that rivals our New England Wrestling Association peers with 50, 60, 70 roster right. athletes. You know, we we strive to float, you know, over 20 is is, right. is where we strive to float. And that, um, you know, that's not ideal. And I don't think anyone's going to try to convince you that that's ideal. But what it does allow with the resources we have and, and you know, myself and Coach Foot and um, it, is is it allows for a universally athlete centered philosophy and um and it's you know when, when i was talking about being a high school coach uh, you know the there's so many more similarities than differences but you know the the biggest difference i would say is the the coaching has to be more individualized because they come with predetermined skill sets right maybe not predetermined but pre you know that they, they've they 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 come with unique skill sets to their region, their high school, their ability level. And, um, you know, in, in, when I was a high school coach, I could always say, Hey, gather around, we're going to learn this one new technique and everybody's going to try to execute it this weekend. Well, I could do that on the college level, but that is, uh, that's not going to be very productive considering I have some kids who probably are already proficient and I have some kids who would be much better served to pursue another Avenue technically than, than this one thing that, that I want them to work on. So, um, philosophically it's really athlete centered um and the way we measure success is really athlete centered and it's not about you know we started the podcast and i, I wish we hadn't talking about all americans and national qualifiers and those type of things it's it's really about um you know helping a young man reach uh the apex of his athletic potential you know helping a young man get to the the peak of his of his given ability and, and to take the sport of wrestling as far as he chooses and then underlying in that you know obviously you want to teach the wrestling teach competition and have the have the kids you know competing at a high level but underlying in that is also foster a love of the sport sure so they choose to maintain a relationship with it like i said shouldn't define you 
but I want wrestling poured into the concrete that is the foundation of who they are as, as young and eventually older men, as I'm seeing with my first kind of batch of athletes to come through. <laughs> we're, we're becoming less and less of young men as we go here. So, um, so, so those, would, those would probably be the two things philosophically is one, you know, athlete-centered individual development on and off the mat, um, and, and two, um, you know, fostering a celebration of the sport of wrestling within the individual that goes long past when they walk across the stage here on graduation day. I find, I find it interesting that you, uh, that you brought up kind of not wanting the, to talk about the, the the success or what you like you said, you had kind of mentioned the all Americans or the uh, all region players. And that, and that's a, it's a common theme with a lot of coaches, but I, I just had this one thought and you can, uh, pontificate on it after I say it, but it, it's almost, that is almost, uh, you know, the fruit of the labor of the student athlete, you know, in a way. So you're almost by talking about it, it's almost as if you're demonstrating how successful that person was, you know, in fostering that love of the sport or in foster or in that self, in that uh, athlete centered philosophy that you have the how, well, you reached a student, don't you think, in, a, in some way? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm going to disagree with you. Yeah. Um, so, and I, you know, specifically what I'm going to take issue with is, is the, you know, the accomplishments, the, the wins, um, the, the medals um, sure. are, the, are the fruit of the labor for the observer. For the observer. From my opinion, um, you know, Joe in the stands or, Ophelia, the purple cowed E fan, you know, yeah. watching from afar, sees that Joe Rossetti was named All American this year. That you know, that uh, George Lopez was was the first four time All American in Williams history, and 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 that's that's the fruit of the labor for, for the observer. Um, you know, the fruit of the labor for me, and and hopefully, I hope for the athlete is you know that this June I'm going to dance at George Lopez's wedding. Right. You know, the fruit of the labor for me is, um, you know, talk, having lifelong relationships with with these these young men who, you know, there there is a, it's an overused colloquialism, but the, the, the blood, sweat and tears, um, you know, the, the fruit of the labor is, is having people that you shared those shared a common goal, shared, a, you know, a community effort with and then allowing that relationship to continue, um, you know, well past, past the point where I'm fortunate enough to, to coach here, you know, ho hopefully I don't, you know, pass away at my desk and I can have a long, happy retirement where I can share these relationships, <laughs> you know, forever and ever. So, um, so yeah, yeah, that, you know, we're, obviously we're, we're in a goal oriented process oriented four year window, but I say this to recruits all the time that, that, you know, we're, I'm not asking you to sign up for a four-year relationship. I'm, I'm asking you, and this has got to be what you want, be, you know, because let's, let's back up. Williams is hard. School here is not easy. Right. The, the, the academic lifestyle, the, the academic, you know, your peers, it's, it's going to be intense. And wrestling here is going to be probably the hardest extracurricular you could possibly embark on. And, <laughs> and if someone wants to challenge it, they need to let me know because I'll make it harder. So, so we can, you know, we'll, we'll surpass them pretty easily. Um, so, 
you got to want this. You got to want this four year experience and you have to want a 30 year experience. You want, you have to want to be in a culture where the, the wrestling experience is becomes a part of your identity and continues way past you leave here. So, um, so yeah, we, we've had, we've had some, some nice competitive accomplishments. Yes. And we, we intend to have more. Um, but those, those are a byproduct of, you know, striving to, you know, one young man at a time and then collectively striving to reach the peak of our athletic potential and, and striving to be, uh, you know, the best, the best athlete student community member while we're here and, and after we leave here. So, um, so I'm sorry for taking issue with. Oh, no, please. I was going to say, I think that's such an important distinction to make. And I think for the people listening, it's going to really bring home the difference between a fan uh, or an observer and a coach and an athlete. I mean, that's, that is, you know, one of the best explained, uh, diff- you know, distinctions I've heard uh, because there is the tendency in our culture and for observers and then my job is to observe even at Williams, they pay me to do that. Right. So I'm not, and, and I've, and actually I've run into this in a few of the uh, conversations I've had this fall and winter where I don't think if you're not um, embedded in a program or invested in the process, then you don't fully understand what you, what people might be getting out of it. Yeah. You see the, the all Americans and the rewards, but you don't see the, the relationships that are developed, the 30 year relationships, or even the blood, sweat and tears that you talked about. And then, so I, I really appreciate that answer because it's really an important distinction. And I hope that uh, people listening will really pick up on that. Let's jump into technicalities though, uh, or, or wrestling. Uh, we'll, we'll start with, we'll open up the part of this conversation uh, with Tom foot because he's your longtime assistant and he wrestled. I believe he did wrestle for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was with me for two years and then he stayed as a volunteer assistant coach his first year out. And then, you know, he wanted to, you know, he, he coached on high school at a private school in, uh, in Texas for a year. And, um, you know, and, and like I said, the, the assistant coach positions at Williams have evolved in, in this period of time. Sure. And so in a, in a very so, good way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. To the benefit of all of our programs and, and so after a year away, and, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Carl Breitenstein, who was my assistant coach from 2012 until, you know, he was with me four years. So do the math. Um, and and I, I, I would be remiss if I, if I didn't mention Carl. And then, but Carl had professional goals that, that didn't involve remaining, you know, in Williamstown as an assistant coach. So um, when the opportunity to, to bring Tom back arose, um, Tom had wrestled for me for two years, been, been an assistant coach with me for one. And then he was, he was on a professional track in Texas and we were able to, to put something together that, that attracted him back. And so, um, you know, we've been back together um, you know, this is, like I said, this is my 10th year. He was an athlete for two with me for one off for one. And then we, this is our sixth year back together. So, yeah, um, so he's, uh, you know, he's, he's my closest friend. Um, he's my right hand man. And, and, you know, the level of trust we have for one another is, uh, is really high. And so let's I, talk I, about I, that level of trust. Yeah. I, 
I think that's a real interesting point because I, I like to watch you two during uh, meets or matches at, at Williams and LaSalle gym. I love watching how you two interact and, and it's, it, it really is a, you say he's your right hand, but it's almost like an extension. You guys are both an extension of each other's thoughts and bodies. You know, the way you move, the way you talk. We, we, uh, I mean, the, the amount of time we spend together is, uh, is pretty high because, um, you know, and it, it really, you can whittle it all the way down to the way our office is set up to, you know, we, we chose to kind of, instead of have separate spaces, it was a little cubicle divider, but the, the conversation never, you know, is continuous throughout the day, every day, six years, you know, you know, 300 days a year, however many days a year we're in there. Right. And with, with every, you know, with, save for the rarest of occasions with every athlete who's in there, um, you know, he, whether, you know, he, he, we're both loosely involved in each other's conversations, you know, unless it was something confidential or something like that, that, you know, he had an athlete that was confiding in him or I had a professional matter that, you know, was, was, you know, something that, that he didn't need to be involved in, but otherwise we, we it's, it's just an organic relationship. There's, uh, there's certainly conflict at, at times, um, which is good. I need the conflict. The program needs the conflict. Um, we are comfortable with conflict. As I, as I said earlier, you know, I, sure. I feel like every ca campus needs controlled conflict. And um, th that's probably been one of the best parts of, of Coach Foote's development is over the last six years, he's gotten more and more comfortable um, with, with his role in the sport. And so he, he challenges me all the time and we're, we're better for it. And he's, He's he's right as often as when he isn't right. I I'm still forced to defend why we're doing the things we're doing, which you know, which certainly adds adds concrete to your philosophy, which is important. And um, you know, and then the other thing is, I was Tom's coach. I am still Tom's coach. Tom had a great U.S. Open back in October. He's uh, he's you know one of two Williams athletes who are really actively competing on the senior level. The other being Ryan Malo, who you know, what won the world team trials for, for, uh, Italy. He's, he's an Italian citizen and, uh, and he's, you know, has his eyes on hopefully qualifying for the Olympics in Tokyo. That's been postponed to this August, 2021. So, um, so I, you know, uh, the, that relationship is, uh, it's complex. It's, it's coach athlete. It's, it's head coach, assistant coach. And then, you know, but then there's also a, a fellowship where we're on, you know, in the office, you know, I'm the head coach, he's the assistant coach, but then there's also a conversational level where we're equals. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's important. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little rocky, but that's when you love and trust one another, which we do unequivocally, um, you, you, you're going to, you're going to be able to sort through all that to, to the benefit of the young men in the program. So um, Tom, Tom is, is, you know, his, his values are measurable and, um, you know, and he's so invested in, in the sport and his athletes. And that's the, the biggest thing that, that I need to say about Tom, Coach Foote, is how, you know, his athletes immediately see how in, invested in them he is. Yeah. And they, and wrestling, we've touched on this, is hard. It, there, there are, you know, the, the daily grind is hard and a match is hard. And there are um, oftentimes you're presented 
with a lot of compelling reasons to give up and go away, whether it's in a match or, you know, <laughs> longitudinally. And, and, you know, those guys knowing that, that coach foot is behind them, um, that they, they navigate tougher times than, than the average man would because they know they're supported by coach foot and, and to no small degree, they don't want to let them down. So that's uh it's, it's been a major benefit to the program. And, and uh, so I've had two assistants since I've been here, both brought very different things. Uh, Carl Breitenstein, they were positions where he was a absolute technical master and, and he was, uh, was a, a talented verbal motivator. And, and Tom is, is a blue collar motivator. They, they see Tom in there with it, with them every single moment of every single day. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it, both of them have been special and, and valuable to the, to the advancement of the program. How do you guys split up your responsibilities? Like how, I, you know, you talked about trust and whatnot, and you, you mentioned Tom and you said his athletes, how do you guys go about the daily or yearly uh, responsibilities? And, and what do you, you know, how do you divvy up that? How yeah. Um, it's uh, well, you know, it, in, in other programs, um, you know, you, you oftentimes are by necessity forced to divide the athletes, right? Like and anyone who's seen Tom knows, you know, he's, he's one of the most decorated heavyweights in New England wrestling history. Right. Um, you know, he, he's, you would think he'd be with the bigger guys and, you know, I'm, I'm not a lightweight by any means, but I'm, you know, I'm smaller than Tom. Um, but that's, <laughs> you know, that's not a challenge. Yeah, for that, that, that's evident. He's, he's, you know, six, two, and, you know, is an excellent heavyweight. Um, but we don't do that. Um, we, we, we cho choose not to because we don't have a critical mass to where it's too much to, to manage every kid, you know, as a unit. The, the key there is communication. We talk, Coach Foote and I, we talk every single day, um, you know, and when Coach Foote had been with me a couple of years and on a full-time basis, when, when Mark Raymond got hired and Mark was trying to recruit coach foot also all NESCAC in football and the defensive line coach foot was to, to join his staff. Um, and, and I, I resisted strongly um, <laughs> at the start, but I, I wanted to see coach Raymond do well. Coach Raymond was my strength coach at Ithaca college. So, you know, going back to 2001, I'd known and respected him. Um, and, and so what, what I knew was we were going to have to formalize our communication a little bit during the periods of time where coach foot was, you know, his home base was going to be in the football offices. Right. And, and so that that's been the only time where we really had to get formal and have, you know, set meeting times and, and, and the, those type of things and kind of map out the plan. Um, you know, I, I I, and I, you know, it's probably in large part personality driven, you know, you kind of ask like, what systems do we have in place? Well, well, Tom and I work best when we are organically and collectively, um, you know, okay, here's a task that needs to accomplish. You handle this aspect of it. I'll handle that aspect of it. And uh, it, it's, it's collective and it's organic and, and probably largely personality driven that, that we can work well that way. And I don't know if that would be, sustainable if i hired a new guy based off of a dazzling resume and cover letter you know we wouldn't have the level of trust where right. um where where i you know it, it can be that loose but 
but it is right now. And, you know, I, I hope for as long as I'm here, because because Tom Foote is, you know, going to have plenty of opportunities to go be head coach at plenty of other places. And, and I, you know, I, I certainly encourage him to do that if, you know, if, if he has that desire and it's the right fit, but it's, uh, the, it's not a circumstance that I'm looking forward to, to having to replace, sure. you know, wh whether it's sooner or later. Replacing someone you can trust like that is so difficult, like you said already. So, I mean, that's, let's talk about wrestling a little bit. I want to, I want to get into some inside wrestling before we go. I want to talk about, uh, maybe you can help me out uh, because wrestling, you know, it's, people, again, we go back to the, the difference between coaching and observing, you know, the observer might look at wrestling and say, yeah, okay. I, I saw that 30 years ago. What's some of the, the evolution of wrestling and let's just take the last 10 years uh, since you've been at Williams, how has the sport evolved? Yeah, I, I prefer to back up probably 15 years, okay. um, you know, and what you saw, was um you know the 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 introduction the availability of high-speed internet and streaming video um really changed the sport um high school kids are transitioning to the college level um at, at in a manner that they're they're able to compete at a level that you, you never saw when I was coming out of high school, you know, in the late nineties. Sure. And, you know, we, I, I was in my senior year in high school, we had AOL and I, we, we dialed up and you couldn't, run, you know, yeah. 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 But if you wanted to see a picture of a wrestler, you waited for it to load, you know, there's his eyes, there's yeah. his nose, the there's pixelation. A bicep, you know, and, and, um, you know, it's what, what the, the introduction, you know, the, the, the explosion of the internet and communicate the explosion of communication has had such a dramatic impact on the sport. Um, and, and, you know, we, we touched on my career. I didn't have a great high school coach and I had to go away to college to have access to techniques to, um, you know, all, all, all these type of things. Right. And, and now a high school kid, first of all, he can find local resources via the internet where, you know, I didn't come from a wrestling family. I wouldn't have known what the local resources were, even if they were there, which they, they really weren't. Um, and, and then the coaches are better because the coaches are connected um, via streaming video, uh, via the internet, via, you know, the, these various media outlets from, you know, high school to youth to high school to college to the international level. And, you know, so there's, there's these conduits of communication of information that, you know, the, the way you learned new techniques as, as a high school wrestler in, in the nineties was you went away to wrestling camp. And right. um, so, so, you know, that, that technically we've advanced and it has been lockstep with, you know, the communication boom due to, due to the internet and due to streaming video and due to iPhones and, you know, the, the speed at which we're able to communicate with one another to no longer requires that, I, you know, I go to a wrestling camp or, or, you know, for me now as a 37 year old professional in the sport, I don't have, I, I like to, but I don't have to go to Colorado Springs and, and board at the Olympic training center for two weeks in the summer 
to see what the top guys are doing. I, I, I don't have to do that. Um, I, 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 there's still, there are elements of that that can't be replaced, right? Hand, hands-on experience, there, there's elements of that that cannot be replaced, but the, you know, the, the communication has, has just advanced so much. And so now you, you say within the last 10 years, well, now the kids are getting to us. They're so much better. They have areas technically of expertise you know, that it would be hard for, for uh, you know, a, a recruit to come in and have, you know, more comprehensive wrestling knowledge than Coach Footer I have, you know, a lifetime right. in sport. But this one specific area, like, oh, you know, we got a guy, Will Smith, who's doing some unique stuff with his cradle. And uh, I, I, Will has, you know, these, these long, you know, imposing arms and I have these little, little short raptor arms and I say, well, hey. You know, I, I don't know much about that position. Show me what you're doing there, you know, and, and that's always existed in the sport, but, but there's definitely avenues where, where, where the kids come to us and, and their technical understanding of certain positions exceeds ours. Um, and so then you have to have a little humility and say, well, I don't, you know, re- wrestling never ends here. And, and I'm not the, the, you know, it, you know, a few minutes to learn the rules, but a lifetime to master the sport. And you have to say, all right, you know, here's a young man I can learn from right now in this moment. And, and um, certainly not doing that would be to the detriment of his development and the potential development of his peers. So, um, you know, th- that philosophy was probably good, pre pre-internet pre you know in the 90s you know lifelong learner and, and open mind but definitely the the degree to which people are able to communicate with each other has changed the sport since even even early on in my my wrestling coaching career you could survive a wrestling season without email you know the, right. the, yeah. in 2004 2005 you know e- email was still was important but you faxed your your entries you recorded your your weigh-ins in in you know a, a spiral notebook you know you logged it and you, you kept a, a paper on file filing cabinets were important when i first started and uh you know now i don't even save things to a hard drive anymore they're, they're just they're 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 in the they're in the g they're in the cloud they're you know it's, it's the thing the 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 technic the you know, technology has, has evolved. And I, I don't know if you're hearing this in other sports, but, but wrestling's probably going to be a slower adopter of technology than some other sports. We, <laughs> we do, we do have, you know, in, in our roots, we're still, you know, it, you know, going back to the early 1900s, it's, you know, we have farm boy roots. And, and so we're probably going to be a little slower adopter of, of some of the, the uh, technology, but it has, it has really helped the sport blossom. What was your your go to move as a wrestler, and uh, and do you teach that? I uh, yeah, I, I I do teach a high crotch takedown. Um, it is uh, and it's it's an important skill. Um, you know, it's is you know, there's probably three or four basic penetrations, and the high crotch takedown is is one of them. Um, I would say, and, and, and wrestling goes in ebbs and flows. Um, you know, there's during a, a decade, there will be an emphasis on, you know, certain techniques and then guys really hammer down on defending them. And, and then, you know, so it, it is, it is an ebb and flow because human mechanics don't change. 
right? Right. We we've been wrestling since the beginning of time, literally. Exactly. You know, since since man first walked the earth. You know, it, it may have been, you know, over you know the carcass of an animal that the two two guys were hunting for or something. But wrestling has existed <laughs> since since the beginning of time, and um, the human mechanics don't change. But um, you know, we we went through a stretch where my favorite leg attack, an inside step high crotch takedown. Um, was probably not um, the, the a primary number one for most guys because guys had gotten so good at turning the corner defensively and and it was it was a little higher risk. There's a you know a failed high crotch takedown sometimes leaves a high probability of giving up a counter takedown where a head inside single leg is much lower probability it, it may fail it may end in a stalemate or it, it may end restarted in neutral um but but it's a much lower probability of giving up a counter takedown and, and certainly if you're going to take risk and you're going to be the aggressor you want high percentage low risk attacks rather than oh we're gonna we're gonna shoot this attack and somebody's scoring and i sure as heck hope it's me you know you, you, <laughs> want, to, you want to avoid that so um you know, and, and, you know, I would say, you know, the, the, the head inside single is probably always going to be the leading high percentage low risk takedown, but, but th there's going to be ebb and flow and, and, you know, the, the last 10 years, the, the double leg has, has really been, been in vogue um, because guys have been wrestling with a lower level. When I was coming up as a wrestler, a double leg was a, was a low level move. It was high, high school kids. It was youth kids who were, we're, we're hitting double legs and, and uh, it was, it was uh, too easy to defend. And, and now, you know, the emphasis has, has gone towards, you know, defending other things and the double leg came back into play, but I, I think that's starting to wane. So I, I went in the weeds technically there a little bit, but. No, that's um, what I was looking for. Yeah. I, I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely, there, there's, there's an ebb and a flow and it happens a lot. You know, as we get older in the sport, we still like to hang around wrestling rooms and you'll, you'll run into an old guy, you know, and when I say old, I mean, look, you know, there'll be a 70 year old man, the, the assistant coach at South Windsor high school in, in Connecticut is a 70 year old man. And he has all these techniques that you're familiar with, but nobody ever spent time, you know, drilling and perfecting them because they were obscure. And then right. he gets on top of you and he ties you into a pretzel because, <laughs> you know, he's, you're wrestling someone out of a different era. So, uh, you know, re wrestling, wrestling is cool. Human mechanics don't change. But the you know the ebb and flow of emphasis does, and um, you know you, you get to you get to watch that evolution, and you know it's uh, and and then also you know people are always innovating, so there's there's obviously new techniques that are being innovated with at all times, so that's exciting. All right, well that is a great way to end the show. I want to thank Scott Honaker for joining us on Eve Talk. I am your host Chris Dufour. We'll be back next week with another episode of Eve Talk. Thank you for listening.